My name is Scott Challoner, and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. Now, as regular listeners of our programme will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership and current affairs. And to this end, I'm delighted to be joined on today's show by Jane Franklin, founder of the Source Platform for Women in Cyber, an organisation that is aimed at helping more women enter the cyber security industry industry. Uh, Jane, a very warm welcome to yourself and thanks for joining us on the show. It's a real pleasure having you with us. Thanks so much, Scott. It's so good to be here. And it's fantastic welcoming you onto the programme as well, Jane. And uh, just for those listeners that might not be familiar with her, um, Jane is the uh, the founder, as I say, of the Source platform. Um, but she's also the uh, the founder of the Insecurity Movement and owner and CEO of New Start as well. And that forms part of a cybersecurity career that has gone on for well over 24 years now. So, Jane, perhaps you could tell us just a little bit more about that and sort of how initially you could sort of broke into the uh, into the sector, because it isn't something that a great many women actually working is it yeah absolutely i mean the i got in in 97 so november 97 was when i started Mm. and i didn't come from a tech i didn't have a technical background at all i was interested in technology um but my background actually was in art and design so i've i'm a a grad (laughs) i've got a degree in woven textile design so um for me i went straight into the industry and built a company so I was I was working with a partner who was technical, and he said to me, "Like, are you up for this? Should we go and create a, a company?" And because I didn't know anything about technology, but I like a challenge, I love a challenge. I suggested we look at security because it was new, and I thought it was really interesting. Actually, I thought <laughs> I thought it sounded a bit like James Bond, which is embarrassing, but like, forgive me, I was in my twenties, and you know, so. That's kind of like what, what we did. And we started this company. We started it kind of locally. It was high end, very, we were very flexible. We were very forward thinking and the, the quality of service was, you know, high, high end. So that's kind of how I got into the industry and everything has, has you know, come from, from that. And the company that I spoke about, we specialized in uh, what many people will understand as hacking, so ethical hacking or what we in, in cybersecurity call penetration testing or security assessment. Yeah, certainly makes sense from uh, from my perspective. So plenty of different sort of things that you were doing, certainly in the industry, I think it's uh, it's fair to say. And um, as we touched on at the uh, the beginning, part of your sort of role today involves really sort of working as a trailblazer for women in the, uh, the technology sector. Um, why is it you feel that maybe the presence of women working in cybersecurity is quite low at this point in time? Well, we have, I mean, there are, are reports out there that say we have anything from, I would say about 18 to 25% of women in the industry. Mm. And that's going to differ depending on what country you're in. But globally, if we work on kind of that, that range, um, the numbers of, of women aren't necessarily being tracked consistently. So it's hard to actually establish, well, why are the numbers as low as they are? Um, from previous uh, records like data and, and surveys and things like that, the numbers were higher, which is something that led me to actually start off you know, on this, on this journey, looking at, at women and how we can get more women in, into the industry. So 
for me, it looks like we were doing better, more women were in the industry, and then it dropped, and now we are either stagnating or climbing again. But it's really actually hard to ascertain because the numbers, the way that we're measuring isn't consistent. So the methodologies have changed. So, for example, one company who was measuring it consistently over a period of time, mm. when I started writing about it and doing the work and certainly writing my book, Insecurity, on it, the numbers were at about 10 or 11% globally. And here in the UK, we had about 7, 7 or 8% of women in insider, which is much lower than women in technology, which I think is about 19% or around, around about that. So considerably higher. But then the company that, um, that was uh, tracking uh, the numbers of women in the industry changed their methodology. So all mm. of a sudden it rose to 24%. You know, so um, it's really hard to establish what's going on and why we have this issue. However, in, without doing the data, and I like to refer to the data because that brings more accuracy. Um, however, you know, having said that, we are doing, I know that we're doing a better job of kind of presenting ourselves out to the world in terms of what we do because, you know, really on the face of it, cybersecurity, information security, IT security, no, our security is still a very new domain. Mm. Um, it's not been around for very long, so we're still finding our way. So people of my age, who've been in the industry for as long as I have, you know, really fell into it. You know, you've got many, many people like me who fell into it, you know, who didn't study technology or who were doing something else and then were landed, you know, with security. Whereas nowadays it's very different. It's far more strategic. You know, there are degree courses and people are consciously choosing to actually have a career in cybersecurity. So, again, going back to the early days, it was quite open. You were given it. You were landed with this job, whereas now it's actually that the doors have closed because it's of a higher higher priority. The risk is greater because of the interconnectedness and just the explosion of, of technology that we have and the consequences of that. So, you know, this is why it's just like it was open, then it's closed. And what we're trying to do, I think, right now is open it again but uh, with some with some um, guardrails around around us, so that we can create the talent, develop the tra- talent, um, showcase the future proofness. You know, if that's a word you know, of the industry, because it's highly attractive. You know, in terms of um, it, its longevity. I mean, cyber, cyber crime, cyber attacks, data breaches, compliance failures aren't going to go away. You're never going to get rid of them. So whereas in with some, because technology is advancing, there are some, um, indus- not industries, there are some jobs that are being replaced. You know, so for example, you know, I was talking on a keynote recently, I was talking about sustainability. And as I was researching into this, um, one thing that I noticed from the World Economic Forum was that they were saying that due to the advancements in technology, so things like AI and other automated um, technologies, machine learning and things like that, they were expecting 75 million jobs to be displaced in 2022 mm. and 133 million jobs to be created by the end of 2022. So that was like 54% of the, of the world are having to reskill. Or upskill, you know, in order to, to 
to deal with it. So, um, yeah, it's quite it's quite interesting. And obviously, in the backdrop of this, the demands on the cybersecurity industry are increasing, and it is facing a a lack of talent, isn't it? As uh, as you've alluded to, um, looking at some data for um, from Fortinet, which you actually included in a recent blog of your own, Jane. Actually, um, a world there's a worldwide skills gap uh, within the cybersecurity industry of two point seven million vacancies, yeah. and that's something that's been exacerbated as well by sort of attitudes post COVID as well. So, um, the Great yeah. Resignation, to whatever extent, of course, you believe in it, um, it's continued to sort of increase the competition for talent, and um, there's a lot of organisations out there that are facing sort of vacancies that they're struggling to fill so against the backdrop of you know needing to bring more women into the industry the industry needs more talent altogether doesn't it so bringing them in um, essentially no matter what the gender is, is is going to be so so critical it, it does but it also needs i mean uh, again there are some stats out there that say like 62 percent of hiring managers are struggling to actually attract and mm. um, the they're looking for and something like 50 52% or something like that are actually struggling to retain it. So we have this issue of both attracting and, and retaining talent, you know, needed talent. But the other thing that we have going on is this inability to actually source talent or the acceptance that we are actually going to have to invest in talent, so create it. So there, there are complexities to this. And it's not as simple as it. Yeah, we need we need more talent. We need to improve how we are hiring because it is totally dysfunctional as as it is, and that also affect, affects gender. You know, because of the unconscious bias. You know, the way that companies, large and small, small, are actually actually hiring hiring talent. Yeah, absolutely. So um, with regards to actually sort of creating a pool of talent to tap into then for businesses, do you think that education has a part to play in this or is industry to an extent going to have to step up to the plate and almost offer kind of the in-house training programs to bring through people, do you feel? It's got to be both. Mm. You, you've got to be both. So a lot of when we're talking about, about this topic, a lot of people will say we've got to get into the schools you know, earlier on and invest in, in that pipeline of talent. And yeah, absolutely we do. And we've got to showcase, you know, what is cyber and that is evolving. So the breadth of, of what it is, of what it actually includes, because it is not purely about te- technology. In fact, there are some out there, you know, me included, who will say, actually, really, this is a business discipline. You know, so it's, it's very, very broad. So we have to get into the schools. We don't have to teach cybersecurity in the schools, but what we do need to do is um, teach cyber risk literacy, you know, and work on the basis that everyone needs to be doing this, whether or not they come into the industry or not, but actually creating that um, the openness. You know, you're, you're aware of this, and this is an attractive industry, and this is what it can offer you. So, you know, consider it consider it and we need to educate the teachers and the parents you know when we're when we're doing that because it's not just about the school children or in this case if we're talking about gender girls you know so we have to do that and then industry has to step up you know we have to be collaborating more we have to be investing in the future talent and the existing talent you know and we need to be, be doing a better job of improving our culture which quite frankly is um it, it, it's tough 
it's a hard industry to, to be in. Just the, the amount of sheer learning that you have to do when you're in it, nothing stands still. It's dynamic. Things change all the time, which means you have to constantly be investing in you know, your, your skills, your, um, you know, it could be certifications or certainly, certainly knowledge what, what's going on. So it, requ- it requires that. So a little bit of both. Do you think that those quite extensive demands on the workforce then could be part of the issues around the retention side of things? And again, I'm sort of linking this to what we've seen sort of post-COVID. There's a lot of sort of prioritising, isn't there now, of the uh, of the work-life balance, people's sort of mental health yeah. and well-being. And I suppose, do the, do the stresses of working in cybersecurity really feed into that? And that's maybe why we're seeing yeah. not necessarily a, a wholesale exodus of talent, but we're seeing those issues uh, with the retention. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we've got to have better leadership. You know, if we actually improved and really focused our efforts on on leadership and better leadership, we would be doing so much better just in terms of attracting new talent, uh, retaining talent, and then actually um, not locking ourselves down, but the quality of our work would improve. You know, so, yeah, we, we, we really do. We've got to – it's incredibly stressful. So, and what happens is when we're losing, when we're losing staff, you know, we've got all of the, all of these attacks coming into our environments, into our organizations. If we are under-resourced, which so many companies are, then it impacts existing workers so much more. So then they're overloaded and it's stressful anyway. So they've got all of that. They're carrying all of that burden, you know, with them. And it's no wonder why they are burning out, why they are stressed, why they are leaving the industry and why they're becoming sick. And then when you look at women, when, when women are repeatedly being told in cybersecurity that they have to work twice as hard or 10 times as hard in order to do well in this industry, which isn't actually the case, mm. but they're being fed that, and of course they, well, not of course, but a lot of them think that they do, it's no wonder that women are burning out faster. You know, so we need more resilience. We need better ways of working, and we need our leaders to step up and actually you know, spot what is going on, and shield them. And I say that with compassion because I know that the cybersecurity leaders out there are having a really tough time as well because they they have, they're carrying this burden themselves. You know, they are not supported within organizations um, by, by and large. If anything happens, then they use scapegoat and then off, off they go. So it's an incredibly tough, uh, it's incredibly tough in cybersecurity right now. And it, the industry really needs supporting. Leaders within the industry really need supporting. And there needs to be a greater awareness of just what is what is going on. There absolutely does. And um, if you are sort of a leader within the sector that may be sort of tuning into this podcast right now, Jane, um, if mm. you are dealing uh, with this and really shouldering this burden, what do you feel of perhaps some of the the practical steps that you can take to really start to implement that that culture that is going to to really deliver and sort of help sort of retain that talent and bring sort of a new blood into the industry as well. Well, I, I would talk to those, you know, talk to your leaders. So if you have, you know, it, whether you're a CIO, a CFO, a CIO, a CEO, whatever, you know, talk to talk to the stakeholders, find out how they are doing, how they are coping, really build the trust. You know, when you have an environment of psychological safety, then you're able to get the performance that you're looking for. 
because people feel safe working with you. Yes, they can be stretched and they can be challenged, but they're supported too. And you've got to have you've got to have both of the, the the stretch, you know, the challenge and the support in equal doses. You know, when they're not in equal doses, when someone is, is navigating their way through that, you know, for a length of, of, of time, and um, then they're they're really going to struggle. So it really is speaking speaking to your team and finding out how they are doing and letting them know that they are supported and they are protected and you have got their backs and finding out what they need in order to do better. And then if you are able to, providing that, you know, for, for them. You know, so, so that's what I would, I would say, build the trust. You know, work on your emotional intelligence. You know, have, have a conversation. I mean, what I find really surprising is that time is not being made to actually talk to the team. You know, an email might be sent, and that's fine. Or maybe it's not. Or maybe you're so busy that you think, oh, you know, I must do that, and then you just don't get around to it. Or you think that you have, you know, because of this bombardment that is, is happening. So you have to make time to talk to your team and the leaders individually and then the team collectively and really build that psychological safety and the trust. And then you're going to be doing better. It's imperative, isn't it? Because I suppose as uh, as leaders, what we have to do is we have to take the lead on well-being, don't we? I mean, we have to obviously show that we are willing to, you know, sort of foster the relationships that are going to encourage well-being within the workplace and encourage that psychological safety. But I think it's important as well that if we are managers or leaders that are being overburdened ourselves, we also take the lead on well-being and we step back as and when we need to and we don't burn ourselves out. Because I think if those below us see us essentially working in such a way that almost sets the expectation on them as well doesn't it so we need to be very very much conscious of that absolutely i mean yeah you're you're a leader that means like follow follow me follow my lead you know you want to be practicing what you what you preach but equally you also want to be recognizing and i think this is really important you know what burnout looks like because it's very very easy to end up in a situation where you are burning out, you know, and, and not to have recognized those signs. It's just like, yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, I know I'm, I'm close to it. All of a sudden you're burnt out or just be going down that path. You know, I know this year I've come really close, you know, to, to burnout. And ironically, um, <laughs> I'm not going to like shame myself for this, but I was teaching about burnout. I was doing a class, a master class on burnout. And then as I was doing it, I was, I was there looking at it going, oh, my God, you know, actually, I'm sailing really close to the wind right now. I actually have to stop. I have to, you know, like, take some time out and actually just get myself in a position where I'm working in a more sustainable manner because right now, you know, this is, this is not. So it's, you need, I think, as a leader – you need to be aware of that and you need to have people around you who can support you, who might spot it before you do. So that could be, you know, a family member, it could be a mentor, it could be a coach. But you you need that you need that support mechanism around you. You absolutely do. And that surely is food for thought as well for any business leader within the industry or in any sector that may actually be tuning in and thinking, 
you know what, maybe I am sailing a bit close to the wind on the burnout frontier, or maybe I'm seeing this among my employees. And if you did want to sort of reach out to sort of share a comment, a perspective, or even a question with us here at the Leaders' Council, and of course anything directed to Jane will of course forward onto uh, onto her, you can reach out to us via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash contact hyphen us, just to remind you. And um, just before we finish on the uh, the programme today, Jane, because I'm conscious that we're starting to, uh, to run short of time on the, uh, the show, which is a great shame because this is a subject that I could literally sit and speak with you about all day for sure. Um, I'd be interested to understand as we sort of move through this journey and we understand what the sector needs, what are some of your sort of goals and priorities going to be over the course of this uh, this 12 months ahead of us? Yeah, well, actually, I'm working that out at the moment. So what I do at the end of each year, I look back on my year. So it's, it's actually quite a big process. And I have got a training program and also an asset. I'm, I'm looking across here because Actually, it's called In Focus. So it's a, it's a journal and, and planner. But I just created it. And um, so for me, it's really about looking back on this year, working through this methodology that I have to ascertain, well, what did actually work? What didn't work? What am I going to ditch? And what am I going to refine? And, and so on. So for me, um, I've still got to do that. I've got an inkling as to what it will be. And so my inkling as to what I'm going to be focusing much more on next year will be actually the, the leadership aspect. You know, the um, I, I've got a, a program called Spring, which is aimed at uh, women, um, sea levels, insecurity and outside of it as well. So we build that, that diversity, but that's what I'm looking to do. And it's very much a mastermind a- approach. Um, it, it's... Uh, so I'm pretty excited about that, but that's what my inkling is is for next year and weaving that into the source of the platform. Well, I certainly hope it does go well for you, uh, Jane, and uh, that period of reflection on the uh, the year that's uh, that's gone by is going to sort of set you up well for the uh, for the future. I think that was something that we learned a lot during the pandemic itself, wasn't it? The value of taking that time to step back and reflect, yeah. and then sort of move forward based on that absolutely and uh, I think as it becomes clear what the future holds for you in the industry I'd love the opportunity as well to maybe even catch up and have you back on the show in future just to see how things are all coming together. Thanks so much Scott I would love that. I certainly would as well, Jane. It's been an immense pleasure welcoming you onto the uh, the programme. And I do hope that everybody listening in has thoroughly enjoyed my interview today with Jane Franklin, founder at The Source Platform for Women in Cyber. And just to remind you as well, if you do have your own perspective that you wish to bring to the discussion table directly on this matter that we've discussed today or on any topical matter or issue that may be relevant to you, then you can also apply to be on the podcast itself. And that would be via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply um for now i've been your host scott challoner on today's episode and it's been fantastic hearing jane franklin come and join us to talk all things cybersecurity. and uh, next time when we'll be back with a whole new perspective on leadership and current affairs um please do take care everybody and goodbye